Trevor, it's Avery, it's Pat, it's Jonah, here on the Citywide Special. The Sixers have once again failed to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. After a tough Game 6 loss at home, the Sixers turned in an absolutely embarrassing performance in Game 7 with Jason Tatum, scoring 50 in a blowout at TD Garden. James Harden no-shows, while the reigning MVP, Joel Embiid, turns in one of the worst games of his career. Doc Rivers has been relieved of his duties, and earlier today, Daryl Morey addressed the media, doing his best to ensure that a team seemingly in a state of crisis may still be on the path to success. Who is best suited to take over as coach? Will James Harden stay or go? Does Joel Embiid have what it takes to finally solve his postseason woes? Can the offseason provide necessary fixes to the roster, or is the organization truly rotten to the core? Also, the Phillies have been swept by the awful San Francisco Giants. All that and more coming up right now. How's it going, fellas? Pretty good. Can't complain all in all. You know, obviously, this past weekend, Mother's Day could have been better, but another Mother's Day, another Game 7's loss, but all in all, not too bad. Yeah, I would say... uh... Another Mother's Day, another Game Seven loss. My mother day was my Mother's Day was fantastic. Got to cook dinner for my mom and my grandmom. Sixers aside, I had a good day, but the Sixers have left me in a state of apathy and in a state of numbness. And that's that. Life goes on, but uh, I'm not feeling too hot about them. Yeah, it's not too good. Uh, so, like as I uh, alluded to in the intro, we have our inaugural guests here today we're joined by uh jonah gardner how's it going jonah uh it's going great uh wish i was here under better circumstances <laughs> but uh, as a day one uh of the citywide special day one fan i'm very excited to be here uh yeah but wish obviously that we were talking about uh the sixers playing the heat in the conference finals or you know potential finals matchups instead of the total tire fire that is going on in the organization right now well, either way, we welcome you here. It's great to have someone else, some fresh blood, and our first guest. So that's a big win to start the week in Philadelphia, which has seemingly been just a depressing week in sports. It's It's been dark. It's been dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess how you want to start off, should we, I mean, I guess we can touch very quickly on the last time we recorded, we were in high spirits. They had just won uh, game five decisively. Oh, oh, man. We were all excited. <laughs> we were like, we just need one more of these. Yeah, we were ready to punch our ticket. Yeah. yeah, it was like, bring on the heat. It's the highest of highs. The it's the lowest of lows. And uh, how quickly things change. So game game six, um, that was the one they really needed to win. Did not happen. Um, you know, Looked like they could have had it there for a minute, and then it just fell apart at the end. I don't know. Do you guys have any takeaways from that game? Environment was great. I mean, we did our part. You know, we all were at McCluskers. We all had a great time. It was – I appreciate – I like – you know, it makes big-time losses feel a lot better when you're with great people, and I feel like at least the company was there. We could either celebrate together or we could console each other together. It was, unfortunately, more of a consolable moment, you know, a put-away game, and vintage Doc came out, and we got what we got. Um, but it felt good to at least be together and be sad together. It was it was an interesting game because I never felt like it was out of reach, even though they went down pretty big early. They were down mm-hmm. by double digits, I eight, think. 16 or yeah, 18, I, think, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I never really 
stopped believing and they, it seemed like it was paying off. And then right when they crested and they finally take that lead and the momentum shifting, you get that weird, uh, uh, the refs calling the, the play wrong yeah. and then they yep. go to the review and then they realize that the free throws were messed up. And then just whatever happened there sapped all of the energy out of the team. They did not make another shot really for the rest of the game. And, uh, in retrospect, it's like that was the game. But at the time, it didn't necessarily feel like that. But that that was clearly the moment where it was like, this was do or die for them, and they, they folded. Yeah, that was kind of when the momentum shifted because we get that clear path foul. Embiid makes the free throws. We're feeling hot. They allow 30 seconds to go by of game time. Then they realize, okay, dead ball. We got to go back and review that. Then it takes five minutes for them to come to some sort of ruling on the play. And then they rule that, okay, those two free throws don't count. Maxie's got to shoot them. He makes them. Great. It's the same result. Mm -hmm. But those five minutes mm -hmm. really just drained us of our momentum, allowed Tatum to figure his shit out a little bit. And then uh, after that, he came back and knocked down three clutch threes, and that yeah. was it. For all, for, for all the shit we talked on Jason Tatum, he kind of stuck it to us at the end of Game 6 and Game 7, which Trevor yeah. alluded to and we'll get to. Yeah, and it, and it felt like such a waste because the whole first half, it was uh, it was like, damn, Tatum is having a horrible game. This is unbelievable. I mean, he was 0 for, I don't even know how much. Yeah, one, he had one, one point one and point. it was on the, uh, free throw. the one clear the path uh, foul. Yeah, it, a technical foul shot. Yeah. It was a, it was a career-defining failure right until it became a career-defining win. He bounced yeah. back for yeah. sure, I mean, to save his, you know, to save his cred. But it just, you know... It, even though it did feel like the win was in in within our reach, I feel as though that that break, everybody, I mean, you know, you wanted to be optimistic and be like, yeah, we got it, but that was the defining moment of like, ah, you see, I don't know, like even the crowd got quiet, like the whole bit of like, fuck the refs, like all that shit yeah. started happening, but like it just did not look great. You could feel the dread coming in. Yeah. In the bar, people started yeah, doing yeah, more yeah. shots at Jameson. Everyone was like, all right, let me get a shot at Jameson. Like, yeah. I don't care if I see the end of this game or not. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other noteworthy thing about Game 6 is obviously coming out of Game 5, we were all excited. Boston goes to the, the two big lineup that they had so much success with last mm -hmm. year. And um, the Sixers, you expected them to, to take some time to adjust to it in Game 6, but you would hope that at some point, Hall of supposed Hall of Fame coach two Hall of Famers and Embiid and Harden are going to figure it out at home. And uh, aside from a little bit in the middle of the game, they just never did. And I think that kind of did us in. Yeah, Embiid doesn't touch the ball the last four minutes. That was pretty unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if he just wasn't calling. I haven't gone back and watched it again. But pretty unbelievable that he, didn't, he went that long without even touching the ball. I, I don't know. It's it's just we'll I, I we'll get into this when we when we talk about Doc I think and what happened to him after the series but the offense had no flow and in these moments where it really mattered it was James dribbles for twenty two seconds yep. James throws an entry pass to Embiid with no time left on the clock mm -hmm. no one's moving no one's cutting there's no there's no bailout option it's either one of these guys has to create a shot or they're cooked and. As you saw, like against a great team that can ramp up the defensive pressure like that, it's just not it's just not enough. 
Yeah. That bailout option nine times out of ten was either like PJ running or, to the corner, or it was Melton. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, Melton yeah. in that game. Yeah, PJ's not a catch and shoot guy on the move. If he's in the corner for a minute unguarded, yeah, great. His feet are planted. No one's around him. He's got like somebody dove for somebody else, so he's very well to hit that shot. But it just looked like they were scratching to get a point, and it's like that's not how an efficient team operates. And the MVP was nowhere to be seen the last two. I mean, really, mm-hmm. the last two three games of the of the playoffs. To be honest, I mean, you want to say, yeah, great, we we got the MVP now, the league. But leg injury aside, he wasn't doing it. Yeah. And like you said, mm-hmm. that slow pace just killed us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's out there. It's not like he didn't put up numbers in a few games earlier in the series. Right. No reason why he shouldn't put up some semblance of numbers at the end of Game Six and certainly Game Seven. Like I said, we'll get to that. Um, but is what it is, man. I think that we've kind of seen as much as I hate to give Jokic any credit. My man's been balling <laughs> out. He's yeah. he's proven his MVP cred and uh, statement games. And yeah, I, I think we were waiting for Embiid to kind of have a statement game, and he we've had, been waiting for years. Had some good point. games in the playoffs this year, no knock on that. But like, not a thirty-point triple double, thirty fifty, a thirty twenty, and whatever he had for Jokic. I mean, that's that's MVP caliber in the playoffs. When your team needs you most, you're the MVP, and we needed him most in these last couple games, and he just wasn't there. Yeah, the, the, the Jokic game last night was definitely a, a huge uh, kick in the balls. <laughs> yeah, everything. Just salt in the wound. Hey, but, uh, he, you guys had this horrible loss. By the way, you were wrong about all this MVP shit <laughs> right. the whole time. So there's that too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's just nothing like you couldn't draw it up in a way to make us feel like bigger idiots than what happened to Embiid in these two legacy, these two opportunities for a legacy game. I, even Harden, Harden won them two games. Like Embiid, yeah. Did not really like game six. That's your moment. Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on now. We At like home. Yep. right. We haven't gone out really like that for that series because we were like every game we were like I have a knot in my stomach. We're up by fifteen in game game four or game five, and I'm like, all right, like I still think we could lose this game, and they pulled it out and they yeah. won. Didn't handily. feel good until they broke right. Yeah. Game six, we're like, I still don't feel like we felt. Honestly, I did feel more confident. I think this was fucked it up. I think that we just all the city felt. A buzz that I have. There was felt. just so much energy and anticipation, and that's the fuck. I don't yeah. know. The Sixers don't feed off of it's that. Like the stars were aligned to. for them to yeah. come out and and win that game. And all, all year, when you've talked to people about the about this team, they've been like, "I'll believe it when I see it." They're going to lose in the second round, whatever. Same old Sixers. And if you watch every game, you were like, "They look different. They have a different mm-hmm. look. They have a different feel this year. They they have they kind of have the dog in them." And that one game everyone believed and everyone agreed and everyone saw after game five what we were seeing in them. And then to just have them collapse that way and then collapse even worse in game seven, it just, it just makes you feel like an idiot because it's like they were right all along. Like this is the same team. They have the same issues. This is never going to change. We live in hell. Yeah. We remembered why we are a Philadelphia playoff team. That They brought us back home to reality just yeah. like that. We're like, yep, we're still Philadelphia. You know, here's what we do. We... Just when we get on board and pump off the gas for a minute talking shit, it bites us in the ass. Yeah, so uh, I guess you want to move on to Game 7. I think that's about all there is to say about Game 6. Game 7, just, uh, you know, we had the little spark from PJ at the beginning. That was pretty nice to see. Kind of made me feel pretty good. I was like, okay, finally. You know, they've been been, uh, selling out the defense just to – Cut out the pick and roll, all this shit. 
they've been leaving PJ wide open. They're obviously not concerned about him shooting threes, and he's finally making them. It's like, oh, shit. And uh, just didn't really last. No one else really showed up. I guess Toby had, had an okay game. There's <laughs> something we could be said there. Yeah, I think within the first few minutes of Game 7, you could just see that MB just did not have it, man. Uh, yeah. Body language was poor. Energy level was just down. He had a block or two in the first quarter that I was like, okay, maybe this is our day. But uh, when P.J. Tucker is your leading scorer in the first quarter in a Game 7, that probably doesn't paint the rosiest of pictures for your future. And uh, it just never got any better. Harden... Just disappeared. Turned the ball over a bunch. The The crazy thing is, we were up nine in the mm-hmm. beginning of the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all this shit changed when he commits that BS flagrant, which yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think it was a flagrant. But at the same so time, it wasn't a foul on Brown. And no, Harden, just... should, Harden should have gotten a technical for embellishing it so poorly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was just the big momentum shift. It was just, I don't know. I mean, it was such a deflating loss. I mean, I feel like, like you mentioned too before, where it's like, you know, these are career-defining moments. And, you know, we're all behind everybody. We're like, all right, we lost game six. Like, game seven, we knew it was going to be hard to to pull that off, but they've done it before in Boston this series, especially. Figured, okay, maybe they'll do do something. Any sign of fight. If we had lost by two or three, I'd be okay with that. But to come out there, second half, you had a great first half, all things considered. You come in the second half, and it's like you just laid down. You didn't do anything. No adjustments. No team getting riled up. No one's doing anything. You got Yang grabbing people's fucking kneecaps. Like, <laughs> what are we doing over here, man? That was the most, one of the most insane things I've ever seen. I don't know how he, he escaped getting ejected for that. That was. I still don't understand I don't why. Under, yeah, I don't understand why he did that. What was going on? What was going through his head? It's like the weird uncle at a party giving you a whale butt. You're like, all right, man. Like I'm fucking 18 now. This is fucking weird, man. Like what are you doing? Yeah. He's like, gotcha. Come on, man. Come over here. <laughs> yeah, get over here. Sit on your yeah, lap. Gotcha. Sit on my lap. Yeah, ew. What? Well, and it's funny because it seemed like the ref, the ref call on that ended up being that like, it was like you both get technicals because. You shouldn't reach off out the bench and grab a player in the middle of the game, but also you shouldn't yell at the guy doing that to you. Well, yeah. like, well, that we was got the weirdest adjudicated I remember thing when they, ever when they first blew the whistle, I got kind of excited because I was like, oh, someone just like chirped at, Tate, at uh, Brown a little bit and he freaked out and said some fucked up thing and we're going to get a T out of this. And this yeah, is awesome. Yeah. He's, he's rattled, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, actually, he was just Niang did some yeah. insane thing. <laughs> to be fair, the, the play before that or the play that led to that Brown did kind of throw hard into the ground, and that should have been a foul. But uh, I think that's yeah, probably yeah. part of why Niang was grabbing right. him. Like, you know what, man? This is BS. I got my teammates back. I'm yeah. just going to hold him back. That well, that's what the you whole, can't the whole, be doing that. The whole bench was yelling at the ref and at Jalen like, in that moment because they all saw him tug on the jersey right. and throw yeah. him to the ground. Yeah. But you've got to keep your head, like, just mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, I, it's game seven, man. Come on. That's best. That was his best defensive play he had all postseason right there. <laughs> no, he, had, <laughs> no, he, good, he played some good defense in game six. But aside from game six, you're probably right. <laughs> he did. He, like, locked yeah, down he Tatum in game six. That was yeah. wild. I mean, crazy. I was, game six, we were out there bang, bang, yang, yang in the ball. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah here we go. Yeah. But I've been, talking, I've been talking shit on yeah, him I could, for a while. Yeah, I kept calling him your boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... 
the consensus opinion for a lot of people is that Niang had no business playing in this series because it's a horrible matchup for him and he can't defend any of these guys. But he actually did pretty he well. Held his own. He did yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. Not enough to overcome our two best players laying an egg, though, unfortunately. I mean, you know, you got an MVP, you got a former MVP. No, no ounce of MVP energy was in that building on our side, at least. I mean, Tatum yeah. clearly. If you ask me, they look like the least valuable players. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, statistically, they probably <laughs> yeah, were. I mean, well, I think that gets at, like, why this was such a devastating loss. Because I didn't think it would... Like, Boston should have been eight, nine-point favorites. Like, they right. should have blasted us. They were a better team all season. They were at home. But the mm-hmm. lack of fight from Joel specifically, who is the guy who we have been arguing about and harassing journalists on Twitter mm-hmm. about and fighting for for three years... And there's no Ben to hide behind. Nothing. There's not really even Doc to hide behind here. Obviously, Doc didn't have a great series, but he didn't have a terrible one either. Yeah. Like there's, there's just no excuses. There's no scapegoats. Like at a certain point, you just have to admit that Embiid blew it, like yeah. himself, and it's yeah. really hard to hard to swallow. Dude, how the hell did he only have one rebound in the first half? That was one just rebound. Sick. That's insane. The, you're you're the biggest guy on the court. You're the closest to the rim, and you're letting Marcus Smart grab rebounds from you. Robert Williams, who's tall and can jump, but you're the MVP. It's a Game 7. Before Game 7, you're saying, yeah, this is fun. This is what you live for, but you just didn't play like it. Last night when I was watching that Lakers-Nuggets game, and I kept seeing uh, Jokic just grab all these rebounds and just get these easy putback rebounds. Buckets. I'm just the whole time, just like, why can't Embiid do that? Why can't he, he had like 12 he rebounds yeah. in the first quarter? It was yeah. insane. Yeah, it was like, wow, the uh, center like who gets you're, a you're rebound? than everyone on the court. Why can't you just bully your way and get these fucking rebounds? Yeah, I don't know, man. And then you got the nerve to say at the I mean, at the press conference, I get it, you know, nerves are high, you're kind of drained and all that shit. He's got the impending doom of the Philadelphia sports market coming at his neck immediately. But then you're going to say, we can't win this shit with just me and James out there playing. What? Are you kidding me? Tobias had the highest points. You didn't do. You guys literally yeah. were the two least. Well, impactful that was like kind players. of taken out yeah, of context. That, that's I'm cool. just, yeah. I'm just saying though, even in context, out of context, whatever the fuck context you want to put it in, that is a stupid ass comment. You if you had had 25 points, I'd be like, all right, fine, you can get away with that. Yeah. That's just. Come on, man. You own probably up, just own up to that shit, or just don't say anything about that. Yeah. If you're the guy who's the leader of the team you should just probably not say anything about anybody and just no take all the or if you do just put the shit on you like the mvp does but like it was me i fucked up i lost us this whole thing like that's all like i that you know love and beat and all that but i just feel like that was just a very stupid thing to say from not performing at all yeah i think part of the reason why i've just been apathetic more so than i've been angry or furious about it just because Embiid seemed relatively indifferent. You see him after the game just yucking it up with Tatum and Smart and Brown. It's like, fuck no, man. You should be pissed. It should. I didn't want to see him crying like 2019. Yeah. That was a tough... That was a... Yeah, but that at least was... There's got to be some middle ground. I didn't want to see him <laughs> yucking it up with these, this guy that just dropped a 50-burger yeah. on you. Like, so... Literally dropped that 50-burger on yeah, him, too. They made hit the last the shot yeah. over him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I've been thinking a lot about, like, what do we want from these guys in that moment? Because, like, they've just suffered this, like, ca- catastrophic, you know, professional, like, personal, like, defeat in front of so many people. 
And then five minutes later, some press lack, he's like, hey, you got to get in front of a microphone and Keith Pompey is going to ask you questions about <laughs> what you're doing this summer. And it's like, what is he supposed to say? It's, but at the same time, like, I was devastated. You guys were devastated. Like, it was like, if, if we were in front of a microphone there, we would have been upset. And that's not how he was carrying himself. Yeah. So Because it, it's not his yeah. first time. It's not like, unfortunately, he's used to that press yeah. conference. Like, yeah, that's yeah. like, his most experience in press conferences in the playoffs is after major losses to yeah. get out of the playoffs. So, like... He should know what the moment, like, if anyone is used to talking and answering tough questions after a hard loss, it's fucking Embiid, unfortunately. He's never had that moment where they're like, wow, how'd that feel as a great win to, like, advance to the next round? Yeah. What? What? Yeah. You guys Come talk, on. Talk about having a great game against the Nets. He'll be down at Margate <laughs> fucking this summer, walking around with the baby, all that shit. Like, well, well, good, whatever. Like, have a great regular season. But I'm just kind of over this whole you know, making excuses for, oh, this and that. Like, no, that that was a disappointing fucking loss. And this series is a disappointing career trajectory loss. And yeah. I'm sticking to that shit. So are you saying you want to blow it up? Uh, well, now, I have a couple options here. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear them. Let's hear them. You got, the way I look at it, there's like three. I mean, obviously there's more. But in my head, there's three, right? It depends on who, what coach you bring in. But at the same time, it depends on what you do with Harden, which we'll get to after this Game seven kind of transition into here. What Harden does, what we decide to do trade wise or keep wise with our rest of the team in terms of Tobias and a potential package to get other guys in here to keep. If you keep Harden, you get rid of Tobias somehow. Someone wants to buy that contract out. Maybe you get a couple picks or a couple players too as well to build around and beat a maxi. Or, you, you know, you got to start thinking within either this year or next year, are we shopping in bead? This year is his highest value he will ever be. There's no, I mean, I hope he proves me wrong. He's not going to win MVP again, at least not with the Sixers. I don't see it. His, they, his reputation's kind of yeah. Tarnished. I mean, that's that's, that's cooked. There's peaked. no way he yeah. peaked. If you want to get him to They're win, not going to play him that many games anymore. Or I, I got even if they did, that. his if, reputation's kind of tarnished. He could he could put up Wilt numbers next year, and there's no way that the media yeah. like the media would like, be drag kicking and screaming like to doing once, this one. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, they've been proven yeah. right. So, yeah. Also, yeah, like, yeah. he wins MVP, but that doesn't get you a, doesn't guarantee a deep playoff run. So, right. like, it doesn't really matter. If, and, like, and I feel like, you know, it was great to see him win MVP. I love the fact that he did. Like, that was a great moment for the city and for him and his family. That's great. He deserved it, deserved it last year, too. But, you know, whatever. But clearly, you know, regular season MVP is different than, like, full season MVP. You mm-hmm. want to get to the playoffs, you expect him to keep that caliber of, of play. And, you know, to be honest, even in that Brooklyn series, he was playing great, but he wasn't necessarily all the way he was like, in the regular season. So I think that you got to start thinking about, do you start building around a maxi front man kind of style offense? And I think you do this offseason with or without him be leaving. Yeah. Maxi the is, is the piece. The thing that's like killed me about this whole thing is that it felt like we were just so perfectly set up for this to be the year. Like we're you know we steal a couple games in Boston, we we you know, we have them on the ropes. We could have beaten our big rivals, the Boston Celtics, and then we could have gone on and beaten Jimmy Butler. I was so so looking forward to never having to hear about Jimmy Butler ever <laughs> fucking again. I'm so fucking sick of hearing about Jimmy Butler. I don't dislike him or anything, but I'm so sick of hearing about it. We could have exercised all those demons. And then you could have pop, maybe had a playoff matchup against Jokic and beaten him. 
That would have been like the perfect run, the perfect end to all of this this whole arc, and uh, didn't happen. Well, and I, I honestly think anyone who watched like more than like three basketball games this year wanted to see Jokic and beat in the finals. Yeah. Like, Definitely, yeah. the, yeah. League, the league and clearly was not wants, a total casual. The league wants Lakers Celtics, and that's going to get yep. bonkers viewership, and that'll be great for them. But anyone anyone who's not a total casual, like you were saying, just settle this and beat Jokic thing once and for all, and. I'm pretty confident that we would have won. Obviously, it's weird to say that now, but like, yeah, uh, but you know, but in hindsight, I mean, yeah, had we would they, have had home court. Had they beaten mm. Boston, they could have. I mean, that was that was the toughest series left in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, had yeah they that beat, was probably absolutely. had they beaten Boston, finals, yeah. you hopefully would have beaten Miami handedly, given some guys a rest day. You know, could have given Embiid some minutes off the court, no big deal. And then you then you buck up for the champion for the yeah. finals. But like now. We're back to where we were, you know. Mm-hmm. Can it be? Do it. Is the process over? Is this and that? Like, you know, the process to me is over. It's done. Yeah. What, the fact what that else? It, well, yeah. It's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. The fact that it was boss. Also, I don't really. People have been, are obviously for for good reason harping on the whole. We haven't got past the second round thing. Which honestly, I don't really give a shit about that because obviously everyone knows that Boston's a way better team than the Knicks or the Heat. This probably should. If, you know, if we had reseeding in this league that would have been the eastern conference finals so like i don't really care about that it's just the fact that like how we went out against them that's the real failure yeah yeah you know pathetic i don't really the whole we haven't got past second round like whatever i mean you could i think when we lost against the hawks that was uh you know you could say that because that was a team that we definitely should have won we should have moved on but you know we lost against the raptors they would go on to win a championship we lost and we lost on a crazy yeah, right. it's like I don't there, want the craziest like, shots. In there's a lot. Of, there's like pride in that. Like that's yeah. like a team that I look back on fondly. You yeah, know? Right. I don't. I, I don't really team. look back on the the Hawks defeat team. That oh fondly. hell no. Yeah. no I was... look back on Ben Simmons passing yeah. Trey Young on him. But that's the thing though. Like those are images that like okay, that makes sense. Like yeah, Ben Simmons passing up on Trey Young, the double doink, you know, against yeah, Toronto, yeah. getting your ass handed to you by Boston. Like that. That fucking hurt. Like. Yeah. Toronto hurt in a more emotional like damn like we were so close like that was it so that hurt love the team Jimmy Butler was doing great the Atlanta game was like ah, whatever this Boston shit was like I'm just like you said after the game it's just exhausting like what we got to do this all over again for 82 whatever games it is next year watch them do great in the regular season and then you know get like a fourth or fifth seed win the first round and then have to play fuck like I don't know I just I don't understand yeah. what this team's identity really is and I don't think they do either with or without whoever they get as head coach mm-hmm. like they got to really sit down and think about like all right is Embiid our guy that we're going to run this offense through every time or do we have to start going through a faster paced maxi style offense so yeah I guess we can pivot and talk about that a little bit right because mm-hmm. uh obviously I think one thing that we would all agree on is that Doc his offense was just stale. Mm-hmm. We were yeah. talking about it off off air before we started recording, but the the last few minutes of Game Six and a lot of Game Seven's offense was just dribble it for twenty seconds, twenty two seconds, hard and ISO and beat ISO, hard or and beat post up. I'm sorry, into a contested three, and it's just you can't run NBA offense like that. Like the teams that really succeed, like a Boston. Yeah. Are the teams that are running guns, space and pace, get to the three-point line, driving kick, someone's open, you make a three. And we're sitting here trying to trade mid-range two-point buckets with them for threes. And that's that's the old-school philosophy, right? I mean, Doc is an old-school coach. 
And uh, I think it would be really invigorating to see someone come in that understands the new game a little bit more. Not saying that you don't make the offenses Embiid heliocentric. He's a great player, and you should run a lot of offense through him. But you need to be able to adjust, and Doc's offense just couldn't. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that's kind of frustrated me about it, because a lot of people have been who have kind of been arguing that, oh, well, Doc actually had a pretty good series and all this and that, and did you bring up the fact that they brought in the two bigs and he couldn't adjust? It was like, well, what are they, what were they going to do? You know, what were they going to do about Tatum and all this kind of stuff? And it's like, well, if he had spent the regular season experimenting a little bit, right, trying to figure out some some things, like could like would it be possible to run um, a lineup with Embiid and Reed at the same time? Would it be possible to do some of these other things? I don't know. Like, I'm not I'm not the fucking coach, but like. Uh, but it's just this you know Trevor Doc Fred's Rivers, yeah. but it's like but this it's like Trevor Doc Thomas is like ring for the new he's like a job. I mean there's a reason why he's a regular season coach he coaches in a way that like works very well in the regular season in the regular season you can just run that pick and roll all the time against ninety percent of teams and it's gonna work it's gonna be fine but like you need to have some cards up your sleeve yeah, you need so to have know what are cards base, yeah right. and that's the problem yeah I mean it uh, it's it's easy to the, the way the series worked basically was the Celtics double teamed Embiid. And when it was Horford, when it was one big, it was either Horford or Williams. And they were double teaming with Ma- uh, Malcolm Brogdon or something. It The offense worked. And then as soon as they brought in Rob Williams and Horford together for the double team, the offense didn't work. And that was it. And it was like, Doc was like, well, that's it. We don't have the right. answer to that. Right. I guess we've tried yeah. everything. Like checkmate. Yeah, you got me. You got me here. Good work, Joe Maz. All and, uh, and it also kind of goes to show that, I mean, uh, Missoula is obviously like a rookie coach, and they thought they were going to do that a lot earlier, and he didn't. So this could have been over a lot sooner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sooner, you know, we wouldn't even be talking about blowing a game seven. That could have been over in five or whatever. Dude, I also think the other thing about Doc too is. Defensively, yeah, Tatum was on a heater. You're probably not going to be able to do a whole lot to stop him, but they didn't even try. Right. Just continued to play single coverage, continued to let him get these switches with Maxi, who he's bigger than, or Embiid, who he's faster than, and just no adjustments, no double-teaming him, no blitzing the pick-and-roll. They went to zone for a couple possessions, but that didn't help because he could just shoot over the zone, and it was just... Just pitiful coaching by Doc, man. Like, try something. It may not work, but at least try. Well, oh, sorry. And, like, he didn't really try anything until the third quarter when we're down 20 and he brings in Dan House. Like, (laughs) that's going to do anything. It was, yeah, well, because that We already had the Dan House. That was a towel. That was a towel right there. That was a towel. Well, it was funny because I remember when when he brought in Dan House in game uh, Game five. five, yeah. And it worked really well. And and he just said it was, he was just going with his gut or whatever. And he's like, well, I guess I got to try this again. It was like, it was it was like if you put in like a crazy bet and it won and you're like I'm gonna do this again. This is a surefire. This right. is a proven method. You once know? it won once, it's gonna win every single time. <laughs> yeah, They'll yeah. never see this coming. Well, it's interesting because in thinking about the series, most people have rightfully been like, "This wasn't really Doc's fault. Like he did fine uh, and beat and hard and let us down," which is true and and probably for the most part I agree with. But think about the fact that. In order for Doc to not be a factor in the series, he had to face a first-time head coach who was not sitting in the front row with the other coaches this time last year, mm-hmm. who was thrust in this job to October, who had no assistant staff at all. They all got poached over the summer. What, last year, when he was facing Spo, 
The year before, when he faced Nate McMillan, he got worked every single time he faced like Nate a real McMillan coach with too. a real staff. Nate McMillan's gone. He, yeah. he got fired in January, yeah. you know? Like, the the amount uh, that the skills had to tip in order for this to be in Doc's favor momentarily is remarkable. And then he still couldn't bring it home. Right. Have I you think... guys seen all of this Doc apology that's been going around? No. People are really... Oh, my God. Dude, it's on, on Twitter and... Certain podcasts, which I will not mention, <laughs> uh, but like, uh, yeah, it's just like, well, you know, this wasn't really Doc's fault. And, you know, he puts out that oh, statement please. again. Everyone gets sappy about it. It's like, oh, you know, we really let him down. This is really messed up. You know, he's really, yeah, I'm just like, I feel like I'm like hallucinating. Or something. I think, though, that like, like both... I want to put my head in the fucking blender listening to these people. I think it's both insane. can be true, though. I mean, like, we got let down mm-hmm. by fucking everybody, like from coaching to players. Like, both are true. Yeah. We expected a lot from this team. Harden and Embiid let us the fuck down in both crucial games that mattered. At the same time, Doc also didn't make adjustments or do anything to put us in position to win. So, like, yeah. Did Doc have a good series? Yeah. Sixers had a great season all in all. Like, a lot of teams, you know, like Maury said today, like, there's 20-some other teams that would love to have a roster or whatever. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, we, we're still in the moment. I get that. But at the same time, like, it's not only on Embiid and Harden that lost us a series. At the same time, it's not only on Doc. However, they both, three of them, did kind of accumulate to this tragic loss at the end. Like, you know, mm-hmm. your two top performers didn't provide. Take someone out. Do something crazy before it gets too bad. Like, game six, you knew you got that seventh game buffer. Do something then. They didn't. Game seven, before it got to 20 fucking points, do something then. Yeah. But he didn't. So, yeah, both are true. We got let down by our two superstars and our head coach at the same time in the last two games that were just, you know, fight or flight. And they flew. Yeah, now what I'll say too about Doc is I don't think he got fired specifically because of this last series. Yeah. It's cumulative, man. Four years in a row. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about last year, certainly Embiid was banged up against the Miami Heat. And uh, maybe with the healthy Embiid, we win that series, but it's a second round loss. The year before, we've talked about the Hawks. That series, inexcusable to lose against a team that we've come to find out isn't really that good. Mm-mm, wasn't mm-hmm. that good then. And uh, even before that, before we hired him, man, like Doc hasn't won a conference semifinal since, I think, 2010. Right. So clearly. It, it was 2012. It was the Uncut Gem series against oh, the Sixers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. He Damn. was the coach of that yeah. team. So, yeah. I mean, it's been 11 years since he's advanced past the conference semis. And uh, I think that's really why he got fired. He was never Maury's guy to begin with. I was like, look at that football team. So, like, you get to the divisional round every year and you lose. They don't. They don't ship out the fucking quarterback. They cut. They fire the head coach. So, like, yeah, did your whoever let you down for sure? But like, dude, you gotta start. You gotta clean house a little bit, and that's the first place to go. We got a decent GM, and we have pieces to make a to to make a run at it. We just haven't quite found that fucking code yet. Well, and think about the opportunity costs, like. When no one could make a shot down the stretch in Game Six, wouldn't it have been great to have Isaiah Joe? Maybe right. like, a, yeah. maybe if he was a playable three and D guy, we we had no idea mm-hmm. whether that was going to work or not. Now he's in o- Oklahoma City, like putting up this crazy plus minus, draining threes all the time. Wouldn't it have been great when B-ball Paul was playing well, but we were getting crushed on on the boards to have the B-ball Paul and Bead minutes? You know, have a mm-hmm. lineup like that ready to go that they never once tried during the regular season. Like, 
those are the kinds of things that a good coach should be should be tinkering with in December and January so that we don't get to this position in April and right. May. It comes down to just him being complacent, I think. I think that, like, you know, I have a hard time believing that after a tough loss, Doc's sitting there late at night. He's old, too, yet. Like, he's already won. He's done. He's accomplished what he needed to accomplish as a player and a coach, whatever needs to have you. And, like, he's not sitting up late at night burning the midnight oil, like, game planning shit to try to crack the code to beat Boston. Like, he's out. They lose. He's like, oh, I'm going to bed. Like, no big deal. Like, he thinks he's Greg Popovich, he's, right. you, he's got 18 holes. The right, next yeah. You want that, you want that <laughs> young saying, I don't coach. feel bad for this guy. He's getting paid, uh, like, what, $8 million next two years? Right. To, to I don't feel bad for Doc getting fired. I'm not <laughs> yeah, going to yeah. miss his ass. But, like, you want that young blood, at least somewhat younger blood that hasn't won yet to, like, rejuvenate the team. But, like, you don't, you don't realize, like, we've gotten here every year, which is great. I appreciate that. But, like, now you're in purgatory. You don't get a good draft pick. You know, caps kind of okay, get a little tight year in year. Like, you know, you just get stuck doing the same shit every year. Like, yeah, it's fun to be in the playoffs, but it's getting tired. And, like, they, the clock is starting to tick. I mean, if he didn't going to do it all year. Yeah, and beat certain 30, that gives him pro- – I mean, most He's got two more size. dominant years left, probably. If he gets playing yeah. like this, he's got yeah, one or two. their prime ends around 34. So, I mean, you're looking at uh, maybe two more years of him being, like, really, like, you know – you know, MVP, MVP, quote, MVP caliber, and then maybe another year being, you know, uh, you know, effective in the way he is. And maybe if you're lucky, two more years of being good, uh, you know. And that's, that's hoping he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, exactly. You never know. Injury history. Waiting for him to get hurt. It's not yeah. if he doesn't get hurt. He will, he gets hurt every year. So it's not ever. Well, that's why they have to have him on the, they had to put him on the Kawhi plan. Yeah. But, you know. You know, yeah, although just, that hasn't really worked out. That hasn't worked yeah. out. <laughs> so I guess should we talk about the possible coaching replacements? Names have been thrown out there. We got, um, you know, we got Budenholzer. We got D'Antoni. We got Sam Cassell. We got who else? Monty Williams. Monty Williams. Who's the cat? Nick, Nick Nurse. Nick yeah, Nurse. Nurse. Yeah. boy. I mean. Should we just go around and everyone pick pick one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ty, that works. Ty lose on the board, but like that's just that would be like just a funny thing to have in there. That's all. Right. That that is very funny to think. We about. still have he still has a job currently. Right? Although the the Clippers are going to meet with him to talk about his future. The Clippers they could be on the verge of blowing shit up. Um, they need to. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi and really Paul worked. George are always hurt. It has. Wasn't it Ben Simmons that wanted Ty Lue? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Embiid was okay. wary of that because uh, Ty Lue's a clutch. A clutch guy, and Simmons is clutch a clutch sport. guy. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, it was like the clutch sports taken. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Embiid always wanted Doc, and they ultimately got Doc, and look where that got us. But uh, yeah, Ty Lue would be pretty funny. It could happen, but if you, I mean, if you want in in series adjustments, Ty Lue is your guy. Like yeah. that is far and away probably the best thing that he does, or like the main thing that he's known for and good at. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I think Cassell needs a. I think he's earned a shot at a head coaching job, whether it's here or somewhere else. I think that he's got, in terms of just you know, a the wild card is that you never you don't know what he could do as a head coach. However, players do love to play for him, and I think that that's a big factor when you're in a crossroads of a franchise where like you could be losing a superstar, potentially trading some other players, getting other guys in here. You get a guy like that as your head coach. People want to come play for that guy. He can develop players. He's developed Maxi. He's developed Halliburton. Like he's developed great guys that can shoot now and and have impacted their teams. And I think that that's an exciting, intriguing thing. Where like, okay, 
maybe we don't know how he you know coaches the team per se but he will get the best out of players individually and the fact that you have a player's coach in that sense does breathe a new fresher you know breath of fresh air to a team yeah i think uh cassell would be awesome i'll say who i don't want first and uh obviously do not want budenholzer i feel like he would just be a repeat of uh of doc great regular season record yep he has yeah, at yeah. least won a championship, but he did that on the back of Giannis having an insane NBA Finals run. Um, but does not usually make adjustments in the playoffs. Is known for, for flameouts more than he is success. And I also would not be able to stand looking at his bewildered face on the side. Budenholzer always looks like he has just bet uh, $50,000 on red at roulette. Like he just, he just, he looks like he's having the worst weekend in Atlantic city that anyone's ever had. Oh God. Um, I like, I, I feel about Cassell. It's hard to know because he's the person we know the least about because he's never been a head coach before. The players clearly love him, uh, and Maxi especially has grown so much around him. Yep. So if we're, you know, thinking about what Maxi could flourish into and what kind of role he could have going forward, that makes sense. I I think honestly, it's funny because like it would be really great if you could get a young gun like Cassell, first time head coach. He's the head guy, and you get Budenholzer there as an assistant coach because. Mm-hmm. Uh, say what you will about Coach Bud. He builds it an awesome offense. He got so much out of those Hawks in the regular season back when he was their head coach, and that team had nothing. And as soon as he came into the Bucks, they were immediately spacing for Giannis correctly. They, they looked really good. So as an offensive mind, I really like Bud, but I agree that like he has the exact same shortcomings that have yeah. driven us crazy about Doc. It's the same thing about Mo- Monty, yeah. Monty Williams, who everyone, everyone seems to want right now, or a lot of people seem to want. I have a lot of respect for him as a person. I think he's a great, great guy, but he has choked several times with in great a row rosters. With with pretty much as good roster as as he would have here. Yeah, he does the all bench stuff that we hated from Doc, mm-hmm. um, and that's the issue with all of these retread guys is they all have the exact same problems. They all do the same stuff that drives people crazy, and that's why they're all. That's why that's like Spolstra is not out there right now, you right. know. Yeah. Like, like there's no there's no pop out there, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I like the idea of taking a shot on one of these on a new up and coming guy, whether it's Sam Casale or someone else, but having that sort of veteran X's and O's guy there behind to backstop. Yeah, it is very important to have a, a good staff if you are going to bring someone young in, and you kind of saw it with. Uh... With the Eagles, kind of, when yeah. we brought Sirianni in. Yeah. Like, we had to make sure that we had guys around Sirianni that kind of knew the, the city, knew the offense, know NFL football. Um, but one thing, uh, one other thing I will say, or a couple other things I'll say about NBA coaches is um, I'm not crazy about Nick Nurse. Mm. I know a, Nick Nurse has been the trendy name. If you think about the year that they won it, they kind of won it mostly on the strength of Kawhi going crazy in that finals yeah. run. Like, they were a very good regular season team, don't get me wrong. But uh, his offenses post-Kawhi, post-Kyle Lowry, stunk. Yeah. Oh, Just, yeah, those, those offenses are unwatchable. Yep. And certainly some of that comes down to personnel. But I think some of that comes down to just coaching. Like Fred Van Fleet's a good offensive player. Pascal Siakam's a good offensive player. 
like guys and he, like he plays those guys 38 39 minutes that's that too yeah, yeah. My, uh, that's my other concern is he's uh tom thibodeau 2.0 where he's just going to yeah. end up shortening maxi's career and b's gonna be hurt Done. more often than he's, <laughs> yeah. he's healthy yeah. and it's just for as like much a, as he like does, Dusty Baker of uh, yeah, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> toothpick. He's an awesome defensive coach. Like the box and one, like the the full court presses, just randomly throughout a game to just rattle a defense. I like that kind of thing. A, we don't have that type of personnel other than maybe mm-hmm. Melton that can do that kind of stuff, and PJ Tucker. And B, it's just I think offensively it would just be disgusting to watch and not. Ugh. I could not do that. And then um, the other thing I mentioned, Jonah, you had talked about Monty Williams, is uh, mm. I don't know if he's the best with players. Like, this whole beef with DeAndre Ayton uh, yeah, is yeah. the weirdest yeah. fucking thing. And I could see Embiid not, like, I don't know Embiid. obviously don't know Embiid or DeAndre Ayton on a personal level. But personality-wise, I get the sense that they might be kind of similar. And I don't know. Over a course of an 82-game season for a few years, how well Embiid sees eye-to-eye with Monty Williams. So, yeah, who the other guy that I think that I would be excited about if he wasn't 90 years old would be Mike D'Antoni, just because he's one of the greatest offensive minds in basketball. Um, But the caveat being he's old. And the other thing, too, is he would need a really strong defensive coach because his defenses have always been kind of ass. But uh, I've talked enough. Someone else go. Uh, well, it was funny hearing you talk about Nick Nurse because I've been I've been Nurse curious. I have to admit. Yeah, that was. Uh, kind of, I, I was. I remember when when the news about Doc first broke, and I was just thinking to myself, like, am I a sicko for kind of wanting <laughs> Nick Nurse? Well, the <laughs> the face turn storyline idea is like incredible that he would go from like the enemy to the friend to the ally. Him and Embiid could do the predator handshake meme, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but hearing you talk about, like, it's like the case for Nurse is, oh, he's so creative. He does the box and one, and he does the full court press. And hearing that and thinking about it, it kind of reminded me of, like, he's doing the most coaching, but it's not the best coaching. Like, right. it's like when you, at the Oscars, when there's some guy, like, this year it was like Brendan Fraser, and it was like Brendan Fraser, he put on all this makeup, and he was sobbing on screen the whole time, and he mm-hmm. was just every scene was filled with the most acting possible. And he, he was just going for it every single scene. Whereas like Colin Farrell was like kind of playing this like dumb affable guy who was like slowly peeling back these layers. And it's like at the end of that, Colin Farrell was clearly the better actor and giving the better performance. But Brendan Fraser was doing the most acting and you right. noticed what he was doing. And in every scene you were like, that guy's acting. I love <laughs> seeing that guy act. And with Nick Nurse coaching, it's like, I love seeing him coach. Look at him coach. He's doing yeah. the boxing while he's all bringing out all these yeah. crazy coaching things. <laughs> And what you want is the coach like Spo, who's like, I don't even notice what this guy is doing. Right. But somehow he's defeating the best player in the world in the Bucks. Like I yeah. like mm-hmm. that's what you're looking for. So you kind of swung me uh, to be anti-nurse, even though I was. Oh, nice. I was thinking, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to think anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, I <laughs> yeah, do, do kind of. Well, no, it's okay. That's good. But I mean, I do kind of. I'm intrigued by the Sam Cassell thing. Uh, I like the idea that it's like a fresh guy, um, even though he's been under Doc this whole time or whatever. Players like um, he's has a really good relationship with Maxi, and Maxi's grown a lot the past couple of years. Uh, I guess the only thing that is a little bit of a concern is that he's he has interviewed for a lot of jobs and hasn't gotten any of them. But, I mean, could that sure. just... But you could just throw it up to the fact that... Um, 
general managers and owners are dumb and a lot of them just want like a known quantity and aren't willing to take a chance on a guy like that. I don't know. I mean, it comes down to like, you know, the NBA, every really, a lot of major league sports, like, you know, NFL, NBA, MLB, they rotate and they recycle these coaches. So like, you know, yeah, you love all these guys and like you guys have made up good points and things like that. But like, you know, you're going to bring it a sense of what they've done in the past to the Sixers. And it comes down to the guys on the court at the end of the day. And like, the coach only does so much, right? Puts them in great position, whether they do full court press, half court press, whatever else they want to do, play fast, play slow. Okay, great. But like, it really comes down to, we just need someone to just be the maestro, use the tools that they have in the best way that those guys play. And I feel like we haven't had between Brett Brown and Doc, no one's been able to really crack the code of like how to get the best out of these guys. Like, yeah, we all know Embiid's great. We all know that he needs a superstar Mm -hmm. with him. We had that with Butler. And then we kind of missed it when Butler left and Brett Brown left and all that happened. Like, okay, fine, that sucked. We rebuild again and we get hardened. But like, it doesn't really, in my sense, I think the head coaching job is important for sure to bring in. It's not as important as who we bring in to play with Maxine Harden and whoever MPJ, hopefully he stays, and around that cast. But who can play with these guys and understand the games that they provide and get the most out of them to that next level? Because, yeah, Doc did great. He could he used that team phenomenal. They had a great regular season every last couple of years, got to the playoffs, did well. But could, something about this team hasn't been untapped yet to get them there. And whether you do all this other fun shit, whatever it is, Brendan Fraser, Colin Farrell stuff, who cares? <laughs> Someone's going to fucking do something here to get them above what they're doing right now. And yeah. there's, I, I, it's just hard to imagine looking at a coach doing it in Toronto, doing it at OKC, doing it at Houston, doing it wherever else, Milwaukee, and doing the same thing here. I, I don't know. It's just something has to get fresh so give us I something new concern i mean to me the the i like the idea of bringing in a new fresh guy my only concern is the fact that the sixers in, are in such a win now mode they're looking at like a two three maybe four year window here generously. what are we winning we've done but, it for the last four years what what's the win right, now mode what's saying, our window what I'm are we, what are the we winning? idea is that when you uh, like rookie coaches a lot of times a lot of times the rookie coaches who end up very good don't start out very good they become very good. I mean, like, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Boston's head coach isn't a rookie head coach that's gone to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, he had a ready-made roster. I'm just, though. and we don't have a ready-made roster. Yeah, what? the roster's better. Well, I can, I can I'm their listen, it's better than ours. I can't, yeah. I can't think of I'm, like NBA, but like, if you look at like, well, uh, Steve Kerr when he first Gator, won, he was pretty young. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'm just thinking of. Uh, a couple examples of other sports, like Gabe Kapler was not very good with the Phillies. He goes to San Francisco. Seems like he knows what he's doing now. Has it won shit? Though? My point though is that like, Dave, what's Dave the Paxall difference? Dave sucked the ass as the Philly uh, oh, as the Flyers. Yeah, he's been doing. He's yeah. Been good. <laughs> well, he's cracking. cooking, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, they got eliminated finally, but, but but they were solid though. They were really good. What's yeah. the well, difference between more of the same and something different and new and fresh? I mean, that's what we're that's what we're debating. It here. does kind of seem like maybe it's time to take a swing. I don't want to get some old guy. That, yeah, they've proven themselves in you know years of coaching the NBA. Great, fantastic. But like, he's got a the coaches has a different color scheme when he goes to a game now as opposed to like it doesn't matter. Like we have a what everyone's saying a ready now roster. Yeah, you might lose a couple big pieces, but that's up to Maury to like figure that shit out and give this new head coach a fighting chance. And if you're going to keep Embiid and Maxi and PJ and a couple other good role players, you should still be ready to win. 
And like, I don't care if you got a guy that's been playing like coaching that's 80 years old or that's 35. I'm gonna get that new fresh blood because we've done the old Brett Brown, the you know old Boston way again. We've done Doc Rivers, another old head coach doing like historical things that have been great. He gets people to the playoffs, all that stuff. Fuck that shit. Let's get something new. So it almost kind of like I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not quite picking up what you're putting down, but it almost sounds to me like you're saying that. The head coach is only going to do so much. Right. I'm not saying blow up the team. I'm just saying, yeah. fuck yeah, it. Why, yeah. like, what, we've, it's, all, it's on the players. We've, to, done, to, we've yeah. done the whole, let's get a tried and true head coach that we like what he's done in the past, and it hasn't worked yet. Yeah. And, and Bede's gotten older, won an MVP, and the team's kind of, you know, we talk about the window of opportunity. I, I mean, a second-round knockout, fuck it. Trevor could coach his team and get him to the second round and have him lose. Like, <laughs> it doesn't really matter – if you bring in Nick Nurse or a Hall of Fame caliber yeah. head coach right now, you got to do something fresh, I think, is the, is the mood to do. That's a great point because there's really no – there's, like, few coaches who were more respected than Doc Rivers. Like, even, honestly, All probably even yeah. now, like, who have the reputation and who are beloved by players and stuff like that. So if you go – in the wrong direction with this and you pick someone because they've been to the finals before, like that's what you're just doing the same thing again. Whereas, and this is probably the last coach for this title window, like whatever window sure. we have, if it's not yeah. closed yet, it's closing right, right now. So this is it. Um, yeah. So I, I totally, I totally see what you're saying. You bring I, it, Like you bring in a young guy and you let the players tell you what they like to do. I feel like the window of having to like retrain the whole team into how this guy's ideology is is kind of over that like these guys are a step they know how to play with each other you just need to get that next little flair to get them above that and i feel like train them into their you know old-fashioned way of doing what the other coach did for 30 years might not be the ticket because it hasn't worked yet yeah uh well we have a few minutes left did we want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> i'm not trying to <laughs> I don't know. Is, is like, there any other six or shit to talk about? I mean, um, uh, I guess bringing wanna, Harden back. Yeah, guess, yeah I was going to say, yeah, yeah let's, let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. So Harden opted out to, or the he didn't opt out, but the report came out. He today leading he's leading towards going to opt going out. To, yeah. Which I guess everyone knew was, that was obviously going to happen either way, whether he's staying or going. Yeah. Uh, the the like backstory on this is that he took a smaller contract last year. He took basically. 10 to 15 million under his maximum in order to create the, the salary cap flexibility for the team to sign PJ and Daniel house. Yeah. Uh, but it was a one year deal with a player option this year, basically with the understanding that he was always going to opt out and mm -hmm. get his max now get paid now. Yeah. They should not max him at all. Well, he's looking yeah. for what? Four years, right? Four years. That's he, the max he, he can get because if four years from now, he'll be 38. Yeah. And like yeah. the NBA has that rule where 38, you, you can't get like a, ma a multi-year deal. Yeah, so basically the maximum that we can give him is four years, $210 million. The max, The maximum he can get from a, a random team on the, the Rockets, <laughs> basically, yeah, <laughs> is four years, $202 million. So you're talking about an $8 million difference. So that's a lot of lap dances. And uh, and in Houston, <laughs> in Texas, there's no state tax, so probably your take home <laughs> yeah, your so. take home is probably higher with the with the Houston payday yeah. than then let him go. Yeah. Uh, it's not he, worth. He it. also wants to like Houston's his home, and he owns what one of the the I think a soccer team in Houston or some shit. Oh, does he? Yeah, I forget uh, you know, what the, what soccer team he owns. I always the, forget that Kevin Durant's a part owner of the union. 
Yeah. That's so wild. I heard he was down there like tailgating with them before one of the matches. Oh, yeah. I want to go damn. tailgate with KD. That would be sick. But uh, yeah, I think Harden between the, the, the soccer team ownership, he's got some other charity that he's a big part of down there. And then obviously it just being an $8 million difference without state tax in Houston, in Texas. But he also said that like he wants to play for a team that like is a championship caliber he, team. I think he's just like I don't he know, said compete. He didn't say contend. He said compete. Houston ain't compete for. Like, I mean, but I, he's just he's, talking he's, shit. He's full, he's full of shit. You know, That's the I point. think that Murray and him, when they have the window to be able to have a conversation, you know, I mean, it, if you're able to trade Harris out of here and have someone buy that contract out, that frees up some more money. So you know, maybe it takes a one. I don't know. He wants long term, but like. I feel like that's kind of far-fetched at this point in his career. Where like, what do you... Houston would probably give it to him, though. For sure, and I get that. Like, go back, retire in Houston after that, and, like, I get that. Like, they're always going to wait for you. Like, they will receive you with open arms whenever it is that you're ready to go. I just have a hard time believing that, like, you can't look at this Sixers team and think that there's no meat left on the bone here. Like, you can't... I mean, you got to be unsatisfied with what you've been given as a product. But if the choice if the choice is either you give him the full freight the four year two hundred ten million dollars or he's gone what what gone. do you pick? Gone without gone. a hesitation. He doesn't earn a max contract at this age. But the, if if you let him go, if if we let him go, we have twelve million dollars in cap space. Sure, we can try to get rid of Toby. We're probably gonna have to pair Maxi and or whatever other picks we can trade with Toby. To get off of him, and then what? I, I think it might be easier to get off of Toby than people think. Yeah. Um, especially he's a starring deal. He's this is the last year of his contract, yeah. and the way the lottery shook out yesterday, San Antonio is going to be in the market for veteran pieces. Uh, so is Charlotte. They have money, um, and both teams will have enough cap space to basically absorb that contract. Uh, now, if we do Max Harden, though, how does that shape you know financially future on? Like Max is going to need the max contract. Yeah, so, how so yeah, that's, the new CBA that's, is gonna. That's all I'm saying is that like, yeah, you don't yeah, want to fuck up. Then you're cooked on that. You don't want to yeah. fucking miss out on then like being able to provide Maxi a max. So like, so they'll be able to pay Maxi no matter what, unless unless ownership cheaps out. But like, the problem is that then that's your team. Your team is Harden, Maxi, Embiid, and whoever else. You yeah, can. you end up with Embiid when he's 34 and Harden when he's 38, and Maxi would be like 26. Another waste. Another seven. Game seven, second round knockout roster right there. Yeah. Yeah, unless Maxi really improves, which we have every reason to believe that he will. Yeah, he could. I mean, he's he's gotten light years better every year. Definitely. I'm not knocking his ability to play. I just think that, you know, financially, they're just, they're fucked up right now. It's just tough. Yeah. It's it, 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 <laughs> it just really all yeah. it is. Like, it just sucks. I, I mean, I mean, that's why this loss is so devastating is yeah. that, there was no good answers for this. There was no plan like, B after this season. Mm-hmm. We thought we were going to go at least to the finals, and then, like, okay, people at least yeah. want to come I here. I mean, because even if they let Harden walk, it's not, they're not getting that much cap relief from it, right? right. Yeah, they get, they'll have $12 they'll, million they'll cap just, space. They'll have to get yeah. off Toby, and then they'll have... They, they, they probably have to they get, get off rid of Toby. Harden, they'll be able to sign a Corkmaz uh, <laughs> equivalent The problem player. is half our bench is free agent, too, so, like, there's not even really any trade Yeah, B-Ball Paul, man. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of, like, trade capital, we don't really have a whole lot yeah. of people to move. They really need well, to get off Toby. That's pretty much the only thing that's going to give them any flexibility, right? 
Well, yeah. If they if they get off Toby and Corkmaz, they'll have they'll have like forty to fifty million. 50 million. Yeah, close yeah. to fifty grand. But then, or 50 then, million. Then, 50 grand. Fifty yeah. grand. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! That's what James blows in one yeah. night at the yeah. Lions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was he was spending that on Saturday yeah. before Game Seven. But the issue, the other issue here is if you if create 50, 50 million in cap space and take a look at who's on the free agent market, James Harden's the best free agent out there. Ooh. Then you've got Kyrie, Kyrie. Irving. Then you're starting to look at like Draymond Green, yeah, Kyle yeah, yeah. Kuzma, some, yeah, it's, uh, it's PJ Washington, Draymond. Dr- uh, you know, we were I talking about take... Austin Reeves. Maybe we can blow out the Austin Reeves offer. Dude, uh, I, I would take Lakers. I would take PJ Washington over Toby. Yeah, is 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 that stupid to say? I don't think that's stupid. I like PJ Washington's game a lot. Yeah, he's, he's a restricted free agent, so oh, in theory, Charlotte could match it. But they they've been trying to trade him at different points. I would love to have PJ Washington on the team. Yeah, uh, I think he'd fit well. He's, yeah, he's a lot younger. Is there a world in which we get Dame Lillard? I think the only way that happens is if Harden walks, and then you somehow pair Toby, Maxi, and. But it just came out today that that the that Portland's planning on trading the third pick for someone to bring in with Dame. So he said he doesn't like... want to. He doesn't want to re, That's a rebuild, though. But, I think. But Dame doesn't want to leave Portland. I think that they're going to try to trade the number three pick to get someone for Dame. But if you think about it from like a neutral perspective, if you can build with Shadon Sharp, they've got Anthony Simons. Now you've got nice, whoever man. you're getting yeah. with the number three pick, like. Just trade Dame. Just right. but yeah, he he doesn't want to leave though. He doesn't want to leave, and also we're never getting him. Like we we would easily get outbid by the Knicks yeah. or the Thunder or one of those teams with all the. Crazy we don't have picks, any picks, yeah. right? You you need yeah. to have like at least a third team involved. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's then I guess we just got to trade Embiid. <laughs> <laughs> the only, the only <laughs> way we're gonna land Dame Lillard. <laughs> <laughs> Trade Embiid for picks, put the picks against Dame Lillard. We're set, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that that Dame Paul Reed pick and roll is gonna look so nice. Oh yeah, next year. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, exquisite. But uh, I mean, it's it's cu- it's gonna be a long off season. There's just so many moving parts. You know, it, it's tough. I wish we could almost get Howie Roseman just to be the GM for the Sixers for a little bit and just kind of. That'd be great. It, you yeah. Know? If you could just be the GM for every Philadelphia team, that'd be nice. But just it's going to get you signing bonuses to make the cap not exist anymore. That, it's definitely going to get be cool darker before it gets better for the Sixers. I feel like because it's just a lot of unknown. We have so many things to deal with. I don't but, know, man. I think that. Uh... It's this not- is Daryl Morey's time to shine. Doc was never his guy. Got rid of him. We saw Daryl Morey get really creative when he had Horford. Who the hell else was on that team with Horf? Uh, Josh, Josh Richardson. Richardson. Yeah. And uh, he ended up turning that into Seth Curry, Danny Green, and the pick that got us Maxi, if I'm not mistaken. True. Yeah. So uh, I think. Well, this is a defining moment then. Yeah, you know, yeah. This, is, so this far, is truly but- his time to to shine yeah. and show that. Well, he deserves the hype that he's gotten all his career. And when he was in Houston, he always pulled these weird rabbits out of out of the hat. You know, like like the Chris Paul trade. What yeah. was it? Five six years ago, no yeah. one knew Chris Paul was available. No one expected that to happen. And then in the span of a week, suddenly he was he was James Harden's teammate. So um, he did say, you know, I mean, in that pretty white bread 
press conference today, he was like, plan A, we get the key part, and plan B, we gotta get creative. And like, He's good at getting creative, you know, yeah. You're gonna have to, because yeah, yeah. it looks as though plan A won't be an option, which is okay, but that creative better be all caps, like, better start looking at something then. But yeah, I, I feel, I don't feel bad, I don't think all hope is lost. I think that they have a solid roster still. I think that they just need to do that they need to do something. They need to have a splash in the pan. They can't do anything basic. I don't want any kind of old vet. I want like someone that's got some life left in them that wants to win and a decent head coach. That's not too much to ask for. I, I think the real thing I want to see is how Embiid responds to this because there's no more, like I was saying earlier, there's no more scapegoats. Like there's no yeah. Ben Simmons Nothing. for him to blame. Yeah. No safety net. There's uh, there's no safety net. Everyone, he's, he's a laughing stock right now, sadly. Big time. Like I don't, take any joy in saying that he's my favorite athlete that I've ever like watched in mm-hmm. person, but he's, he's a joke right now. And how he responds to this is what separates you from being an all time great athlete and being a guy who I enjoyed watching for several years. Yeah. Big time. Yep. Did we want to talk about the Italian market festival? <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, we do. Hell yeah. We got, we got a couple minutes. We, we can, so that's this weekend, you know, the, the great tradition here in South Philly, the Italian market festival is this weekend. Yeah. Who's, who's climbing them pole climbing, for that? Yeah, you guys climbing meat. the grease pole? I'm not climbing no grease pole. I can't be doing that. I'm pretty goddamn far from Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do you think they There's, like check to make sure you're Italian right, yeah. before you climb they, it? They, they like, <laughs> I don't know. What, what, what is the screening process? How much pasta can you eat in five minutes? Like, <laughs> oh, I, 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 think, I think if that's the deal, I think I could pass. So what you're saying is you're going to climb the pole on Sunday? No, I'm saying I can eat a lot. I'm saying I eat a lot of pasta. It's already halfway there. It's kind of easy. It's not fair, but I think that we we talked about it too outside a little bit about like what would be the Philadelphia Olympics piggybacking off of the Italian market of like what would be the top we could say four events I feel like five could be a stretch four or five yeah. we'll do four or five yeah Tri- well, they have triathlons they have de- what's the de- decathlons five right or is that ten that's, no, that's, ten. that's, that's ten. ten that's ten, ten. Yeah. ten. Uh-uh. fuck is there a five one is there a, a, a cinco pentathlon a cinco <laughs> does a pentathlon exist triathlon I'm there's a biathlon in the Winter Olympics, but that's just two. I don't think there's yeah. like a five one. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we well, just made it a pentathlon. Yeah, yeah, pentathlon. Yeah, yeah, so we got five. There's so the, the grease. Obvi- yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That would probably be the final thing. I think would be the grease pole. So what would lead up to the grease pole? So uh, I think you said this one when, we when we were chilling out there. You said running across Roosevelt Boulevard. Yeah, just, <laughs> just like no stops, just straight. Do we have to have a cone just, on your head to, too? You have to do Frogger stuff. Yeah. Yeah. See if you can make it across. Yeah, make it across the Roosevelt Boulevard. The part um, where it and has then the... after, And then once you get once you get to the other side, there's just a, a full pack of Marlboro Reds and you have to smoke all of them. <laughs> your choice of Marlboro Reds or Newports. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you got to drink a whole smack bag of Twisted Tea. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we gotta have a twist and tea drink off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a little dark, but a K and A survival test. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! If you yeah. can, if you can survive on Kensington Allegheny yeah. for four hours, you've seen Nick no four afraid. hours is a long time. Let's do an hour. Yeah. What, did you have to like? What, did you just have to like sit around, or do you have to like? In a tent, you gotta yeah, go. You to don't a tent. have to like mingle and do drugs. Yeah, should you have to like talk to be like you have to like, go up to every person and be like, yeah. "Hey, how's it going?" You have to <laughs> make you have no, to make, but you have to wear like a one thousand dollars suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. make and make five friends. You gotta be wearing yeah. a bunch of jewels. 
Uh, what about going down to South Street and eating the what's the pizza wrap? Oh, the, the South Street oh, yeah. 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 yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Although I guess Jim's is still burnt down, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you just go to Ishka Bibbles, I guess. Yeah, the, one you can still get a good cheesesteak, but yeah, you wrap the Lorenzo slice around mm, the, the Ishka Bibbles cheesesteak. Yeah, that that does. I don't think I've ever there. been drunk enough in my life to want to do that. Damn. No, I mean I've, I've done, done the. Done uh, You've I, done the, the the what do you call it? The double down. Double down, <laughs> which is where <laughs> I go to Prima. You get the tort. You get the chorizo torta, and then I, on the way home, I stop at Pat to get a cheesesteak and eat all that. Too. When's the last time you did? <laughs> uh, it's been a little while, but I've probably done <laughs> it like about three or four times. Kind of eat, yeah, yeah, I haven't done it in a long time. His intestines are like, please, dear God, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel that too much now, but I used, to, you know, I've probably done it a handful of times. Damn, yeah, we got the Italian Market Festival, and then that got me thinking: what other cool Philly traditions do we have? No other cities have New Year's Day. That's, oh, a big yeah. deal. that's the biggest yeah. one. Mama's Wing parade. Bowl, you know what I'm saying? Wing Bowl. Wing Bowl. Did Wing Bowl get right. canceled? I yeah, think Wing I think- Bowl. Probably deservedly so. It it got canceled and canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I meant like the normal canceled, but it definitely got the other kind too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like people finally got tired of Angelo Catali just ogling over young women in his studio. Oh, I look so amazing. (laughs) Dude, I remember I used to like drive into work listening to that, and it was just like, this guy is the creepiest motherfucker Mm -hmm. I've ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. Damn, the wing bowl. But yeah, what other traditions do we have? You got mummers, you got the wing bowl, retired. There's that weird day, I can't remember what it's called, but where Pashyunk is just filled with old cars. Have you oh, guys yeah, ever that's coming up soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the little car show they got. No car show, you got Let's Broad see, Street, cool I guess, car. is like a little thing. Uh, just I feel like we're forgetting an obvious one. Constant playoff sports dread, that's kind of a thing we got going. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the playoff anxiety you know, and yeah. just... The, the playoff alcoholism, I feel like that that's a thing. I think playoff alcoholism, I think also like just straight up parade. Anytime there's any kind of parade in the city, I'm like, well, uh, I guess I could drink all day now. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not, <laughs> even, I'm not even at the parade. I'm like, well, yeah, there's a parade just, going on somewhere here. Yeah. Like, yeah. We were talking about yeah. the Broad Street run. Yeah, you know, you yeah we went out and got fucked up. We yeah. run. <laughs> Royally. My yeah. boss is like, why are you so bad? I'm like, oh man, my knees are, my liver, yeah. I mean, my, my called, knees, yeah. Right yeah, the Broadway run was exhausting. Yeah. I had to start drinking at 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have this pounding headache yeah. from all the running. Uh, yeah. yeah. Shin splints, no, it's more of a headache. I got the spins. Uh. Yeah, it's throwing up all morning. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a good place to leave it. Uh, from all of us here at the well, city. Well, hold up. Oh, wait, did you have anything? Well, we got to let Jonah. Jonah, you got anything oh, to yeah, plug? Oh, yeah, you got some. Oh, I've got absolutely nothing to plug. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing going well, on. Oh, yeah, you got to guess. You got to let them plug. Uh, yeah, well, look, this is this is, a, this is our first. Okay, yo, you got to get better. I'll, I'll yeah. remember that for next time. Yeah, you the bar has been set L- pretty. Luckily, Jonah yeah, Jonah, you set the bar <laughs> high. I'm like, damn, I should just give Jonah my headset. He should be on here instead of me. Yeah, well, uh, from all of us here at the Citywide, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Peace. See you guys. See ya.